Sideburns versus skinny jeans. Walkmans versus AirPods. Millennial or Gen Xer, we're going to dive right in to family, finances, and fun. Mom, is my laundry done? Really, Ryan? Welcome to In My Day. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of In My Day. I'm here with Dave and he's got something to share with you, it looks like. Hey, how are you, Ryan? I'm doing all right. Ooh, what do we have today? A little a little Basil Hayden's for you. That looks like a good one. Yeah, this sounds good. I mean, can't beat it. I mean, there's all kinds of in- information on this, but it's uh, apparently from Frankfort, Kentucky. So uh, who else is in Frankfort that... Does Basil Hayden's? There's a big place there, right? Buffalo Trace, right? Buffalo Trace. Is so they've the got they've got Pappy, they've got Basil Hayden's, they've got Eagle Rare, Eagle Rare, Willet. All kinds of things come from there. So if you're ever in Kentucky and you say, "Well, I want to do something fun," and they they also do the best tour of anybody, the best tour, absolutely. Yeah. And they have a gift shop. You can get not only bourbon, you can get bourbon cream, which is perfect for like coffee or root beer floats. It's surprisingly good. It's, Absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the dessert cream alcohol thing, but it's worth trying. But if you're ever in Frankfurt, I mean, if you're ever in Lexington, I'm, Lexington, you're only 20, 25 minutes from Frankfurt. There you so, go. All right. Cheers. cheers. So today we are going to be talking about family and money. So this one's going to be a doozy, and we got all different kind of family dynamics we can go into. What do you think, Dave? What should we start with? Well, I mean, I think we should start with the most obvious, you know, pink elephant in the room. I mean, you've now got a ring on your finger. I know it's it's. Congratulations, congratulations, married man. Well, thank you, thank you. It was a it was a fun weekend getting married and getting to see the whole family and everybody. And then we had a great honeymoon. Uh, we ended up going to South Carolina to Hilton Head and just got to have a couple of relaxing days on the beach where I sat in the shade and Katie sat in the sun because I'm pale and she's not. So we had a great time and. We're looking forward to getting our lives started in Kentucky now. Do you ever wake up with that ring on your finger and kind of like, what what the heck? It's, it's usually just a relief that I haven't lost it yet because my, <laughs> my wife, I almost said fiance, I'm still not used to it yet. My wife uh, claims that I tend to lose things, especially little things like a ring. Don't so lose that. So she is taking bets on how long I'll be able to hang on to it. So I'm trying to win all the overs on all those bets and see how long we can get going. But I love it. Yep. Well, speaking so. of family, I know we were talking before we started the show on just the way in which we were raised around money um, because that is a topic that, that whether you're young, whether you're old, um, you know, Gen X, millennial, you know, whether or whether you have kids even um, or niece and nephew that you talk to here and there. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, bringing up the topic of money or just helping people understand how money works and how it applies to today's world. Not give someone a complex about it, but just be real with them. I mean, how about you? When you were when you were growing up with your parents, what were they like? Yeah, so I mean, we had talked about how we were raised with money before, but I think the bigger thing for me was how they talked to me about money. Um, and we were always a household that was a very open household. If we had questions about something, my parents didn't lie. They didn't hide stuff from us. They were pretty much an open book. Um, And that's been really beneficial to me starting out because I know how to do a budget because they showed me how they did theirs. And I know how how buying a house works because they told me how it worked. So that because they were such an open book, um, it's it's a very tough thing to talk about to your kids because nobody wants to 
have their kids going around school telling their friends how much money they make or what they do. But there are ways, especially as your kids get older and you can trust them, that you can entrust certain things to them and bring them into the loop so they can learn about what's going on in your world and they can learn from that so they can learn from your successes and also learn from your failures. Um, I think my parents did a really good job with that for me when I was little and that, that helped me buying the first house and merging finances with my now wife. So was there any particular memory that you have of your parents where you're, or like, you know, a conversation or a out, you know, doing errands with your dad or just something where you were like, what is this and money and how does it work? Well, I remember, I think I was probably 12 years old, maybe middle school, whatever that was. Um, and something came up about saving for retirement. And I had no idea what an IRA was or a Roth IRA or, I mean, I was 12. I was worried about if the Ravens were going to win on Sunday. I'm still worried about that, but I've added more things to my Now it's just, well, they went on a Monday night. I know. That's hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But um, I remember I asked my parents about that and my mom was pretty much like, come here, sit down. I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you what our IRAs look like. And she didn't show me balances or anything like that, but she took me on to, uh, the website where they had their mutual funds and some other investments. And she was like, this is what we own and this is how we do it. And this is how an IRA works. And teaching me all that really showed me the way that you can be successful in saving for retirement. And while they didn't give me all the details because I was 12 and I didn't need all the details, they told me enough. And I remember that conversation because they told me enough that it showed me that there is a lot to learn and that they're a good resource for me to learn from. And I took advantage of that. Well, and $462.17 was a lot of money back then. I know. I mean, and, <laughs> and 4% interest. I mean, add that, add that. That's together. real money you're talking about. I mean, we're on well, our way to retirement, kid. Yeah. So they were, they were, they were very open with me about that and how, how to do it. And that was very helpful. So what about you, Dave? What were your first memories of talking to your old man? You know, what's funny as, as I'm listening to you, I was thinking back as a kid, um, my brother, who was significantly younger growing up, I remember him saying over and over when he wanted something to my mom, right? He would just say, I want that. And she was like, we can't, we don't have money for that. And, you know, what she meant by that was we did not have, it wasn't that we didn't have money. It just was, it was not a priority. The money was, the money was allocated somewhere else. Right. Yeah. But she never said it that way. She just said, we don't have money for that. Right. Yeah. And, um, but he would always just say, well, well why not just write a check? Yeah. And because in his mind, when you write a check for it, it was just like magic money. You know, a checkbook was full of fun coupons that you could just use however you wanted. And um, I think back to that. But my dad, on the other hand, was much more, you know, like when we had to have shoes for school. And we'd always go back to shoe shopping and, you know, for back to school. I remember conversations with my dad where, one year, I wanted these incredible Air Jordans, which, of course, Michael Jordan back in the day had his Air Jordans. And they were these absolutely awesome, you know, black, solid black with the Michael, you know, with a basketball doing his, you know. Like the originals? Famous dunk. Yeah, originals. I mean. Carolina blue the whole way. They were solid black. Okay. But I think now they probably go for like three grand or something because, you know, kids your age collect these shoes yeah. now, right? I actually never got a pair of Jordans. So, yeah. I'm glad you survived. We're talking like 30-plus <laughs> years ago, maybe maybe more that I wanted these shoes, okay? Probably 35. And um, my dad's phrase, though, I said, well, why can't I have them? Because they're only like 110 or $120. My dad's phrase, and I'll never forget it, was, David, 
a good pair of shoes doesn't cost more than $40. These New Balance or Adidas will be perfectly fine for you. And, you know, at a certain point I left home and I said, you know, screw you, mom and dad. I'm going to go show you what I can do. I'm going to fend for myself. I'm going to buy me. My, as many you know, Jordans as I want. Absolutely. And But did I buy a pair of Jordans? No. I'm guessing no. Yeah. Because because <laughs> when I moved out, guess what? I had other needs. Not wants, but actual real needs, right? Like gas, you know, <laughs> like tires for my car. Uh, Rent. <laughs> like literally, yeah. right? Like things called utilities. Yeah. I had no idea, you know, that you had to pay for someone to take your garbage away. I mean, just crazy things, right? And fast forward. To this day now, when I take my kids shoe shopping and we're looking at the shoes and things, I'm looking for like the New Balance or the Nikes that are like $55 or less. They're on sale, maybe $80.90, but they're $55 because in my mind, whether I want to admit it or not, a good pair of shoes costs $40. They still work. (laughs) They still work. And I mean, it's just funny how, you know, I might, my work shoes, obviously, but for tennis shoes, I've never been one to spend money on tennis shoes. Um, but it's not because I don't like good tennis shoes. I do. It's just as much as I hated that phrase growing up, it just, there's things like that, that my dad said. And in some ways he taught me lessons about what, what to value and what not to value. It just ingrains that in you. And you learn to prioritize the things that you want. Yeah. When you're forced to do that in an early age, it makes it easier to do when you eventually have to when you're a little bit older. When it's ab- so. well, Absolutely. When it's other people's money. It's easy. It's real easy to spend oh, yeah. it. Real easy. When it's your own and it's coming out of your own checking account or you're putting on your credit card and you got to pay it off at the end of the month. Yeah. It's a totally different conversation in your head. Because then when the alarm rings on Monday morning, you start thinking, was it really worth that You know, extra $40 for the Nikes or whatever it was? And but. it's no different going out to eat. Oh, yeah. Same you thing. know, now I, I, you know, there was a phase in life where I wanted to go out to the nicest restaurants all the time because I thought that's like kind of a, a privilege thing. I deserve it because I worked hard for it. And then you get to the point of just this last weekend, I went up to Indianapolis and watched the Seahawks game. Well, it was really just a Seahawks win. Uh, and a beating of the Indianapolis Colts. But um, on we're not, not going to hear the end of that, are we? No, not not for a long time. I mean, we're one and oh, and that's big. Uh, but the thought is, is that that entire trip, I didn't eat a steak. I didn't eat, you know, anything nice, really. I just ate a bunch of, you know, bar food, hotel food, pizzas, pork sandwiches, ribs, you name it, just anywhere and everywhere with the kids. We probably over an entire weekend of eating meals with six people spent about the same, maybe a little more than what it would typically be one nice, nice five-star, you know, steak place meal. And it's not that it was, it's not that I missed it, but the memories and how much further you could stretch that money when you were, when the kids are with you. Yeah. Makes a big difference. I get that. Um, So here's the question for you. Yeah. I don't have kids. You do. How, how old's your oldest? Oldest is 16 and change. Okay, so he's getting ready for college. How have how do you feel you've prepared him to be able to transition from you making money decisions for him and helping with it to sending him off to college and letting him fend for himself, per se? Yeah. You know, one thing I do with my kids, and I don't know if it's right or the wrong way to do it, but it's just how I chose to do it, is I started paying them at about... 
four years of age, um, whatever their age was, a week in allowance. Okay. So, you know, for a 16-year-old, he still gets $16 a week. But for that, it's not free. There are certain tasks and responsibilities that he has. So, you know, he makes sure that the trash goes out. And he makes sure every night after dinner is served that the counters, tops are wiped down, tabletop wiped down, and the floor is swept. Yeah. And the little brothers help him moving things, right? That's their task. But he's the he's the sweeper of the dirt, right? And uh, and the thought is by doing that, by doing a lot of household chores, it's you know some people don't pay their kids for those things. They say, well, that's just part of being a family and part of a family. But the reason I do it is I like to I like for them to associate work with pay. Yeah, and that. The harder they work, the more they can make. And there is a crossover, obviously, where at some point they'll work smarter and maybe less. But at this age, I want them to associate work with money. And, But they, they have responsibilities with that. So it's not just money to go buy toys. He has to buy his own toothpaste, his own toothbrush, his own deodorant. He has to buy Christmas gifts for his brothers, birthday gifts for his brothers, or cards. That probably really pains him card for his mom at Mother's Day. You know, I, I take him to get um, those things and, and, and help him out with those. And it does. There's times where he's got, you know, probably right now maybe $200 in his in his account. But he also knows that, okay, he's got this coming up and that coming up. And But it also allows him to start to, in a very minuscule way, think of things as a budget. Yeah. You know, there'll be times where he's like, I need this for band. And so he'll go out and buy something. Um, that he needs that's not necessarily a a true need. It may be a want. Or I need these skating shoes, or I, I need to get some new decking for my skateboard, or some new really cool wheels, or whatever. Those are things that he can afford, he can do. And then I also pay him for grades. And there's a... Uh, that was my next question. What do you think about parents paying for grades? Because I've heard both ends of the spectrum where you shouldn't punish bad grades if they're trying hard. And then I've heard the other end where that's their job. They should get paid if they do it well. Yeah, you know, I look at it as um, we, we pay for A's and we pay a little bit for B's. And C's we do not pay for and D's are subtractions and F's are subtractions. Oh, so you charge them if they're not passing. Absolutely. Really? So for my oldest, he has not had too many... Uh, D's or F's, but he has had a couple along the way in his, you know, from the time he started getting grades to, to now, just because there was times where he didn't like to do homework. And so I just let him not do homework, but then he had to pay for it. Yeah. And, um, but, but now he's got to the point that he's straight A for the most part, honors AP and doing well. His middle brother, on the other hand, different kid and has some A's, but has lots of D's and F's. So there's times where at the end of the academic period, he actually owes me 20 bucks. Really? And that comes out of his so, allowance. So, you know, I, I, I like to give them the idea, though, that they have a job. And when they go to school, they have a job to perform, and they're expected to. And with when they do a good job and there are spoils, then they can reward themselves and they can do extra things. Makes sense. So my question Let's say you had a kid, and I don't know if this is your situation at all. Let's just hypothetical situation. You have a kid who is working his tail off, and he's getting C's, maybe a D here and there. Did, would Is that still how you would treat it, or would you adjust if that was the situation? No. 
because you adjust. Okay. I mean, it's, it's it's no different than giving a kid a, a medal or a ribbon for making across the pool. I agree. Know? I'm just that, I was that, asking. I in was my curious. day, Ryan, when you made it across the pool, that meant you did not drown. Yeah. Right. Nowadays, it's like. Metal. <laughs> Look at little Jimmy. Look at little Susie. That's absolutely amazing. You didn't drown at the YMCA pool. What? Yeah. That's crazy. No. So, you know, you, you live and die, and these kids are going to live and die based on their work ethic and based on you know, and also, what they forge, the opportunities they forge for themselves. As much as people don't like to hear it, sometimes the smarter kid doesn't have to work as hard, and sometimes that's just life. It sucks, but sometimes the kid that's not as smart just has to work his tail off, and that yeah. some people don't like to hear that. So, and and I don't think there's anything wrong. I think a lot of people think that, oh my gosh, you're saying that it's okay. You're just, did I just hear you say, Dave, that you have a kid that has some A's and some F's? And the answer is yes. And I'm sure some parents are like, why don't you get a tutor? Why don't you get this? And I, because I know he's got the smarts to do it. I just know that yeah. he has a he has a, a laziness issue and. And so and that's the other allowing thing. him to fail now is actually doing him all kinds of favors because no one looks at his elementary grades. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> and like I was saying, the hypothetical situation where the kid yeah. who is fa- who's getting C's and failing, if he's working hard, then you get the kid a tutor. That that I would but if it's a if it's a work ethic issue, that's a whole different ballgame. Right? I like science yeah. and math. I don't, I don't like, like social English. studies yeah. or English. Yeah. <laughs> That doesn't count. Uh, no, no. That doesn't count as an I need a tutor situation. That's not a, that's not a learning disorder. Yeah. That's not any kind of – that's learning to work well with others regardless of whether you like your teacher or you don't or you like the subject or you don't. That's fair. So, yeah, I mean I think that the, the more realistic you can make money for kids and also for spouses because, like, I mean – you know, I don't know your situation. I'm certainly not asking you to speak to that, but I just know that there's a lot of couples that we see come into our office, right? Yep. Here at Family Financial Partners. And I should say our website, in case you're listening, you're like, who's Family Financial Partners? It's www.familyfinancialpartners.com. And, uh, you know, we're over here in Hamburg. There's 14 of us here, but we have a lot of people that come into our office. And one, spouse will be kind of the brainiac and the one that maybe deals with money as part of their as part of their job or had a family that talked more about money and the other spouse will be like i just let that person handle it and it's not a male female thing no it's it's not it's literally 50 50 just based on how the person was brought up and raised and or um in addition to that based on what they actually do for their career yeah and um what we see with that is some really raw conversations on a very base level of how money works. Yeah. And the thing that I noticed with that above all is that pretty much all of these situations, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, has one of the two spouses is usually the leader. There's usually one that takes the lead on almost everything and is the one that's in charge of paying the bills and is in charge of handling the retirement funds. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. When it becomes a bad thing is when the other spouse is ignorant to what's going on and is just complacent. When both spouses are involved, it's totally okay for one to be the leader on that because in that same relationship, the other spouse that's not the leader on the money might be the leader on something else. They might be the leader on raising kids or late being the leader on taking care of the household, anything. But 
when as long as both parties are on the same page and know what's going on and are open with each other about that, that's when we really see success out of people. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It is, uh, you know, the thing that I see, and we have a lot of people that come in actually to our business through our website, feeforplan.com. And that's F-E-E-4, could be the number four, plan.com. And that's a site that actually does very basic financial planning for people that are a stage of life where they need help. So it could be a college graduate. could be someone that's coming in with someone they're even dating. It could be newlyweds, right? Someone like yourself where they just tied the knot. It could be someone where they're, they just started a family, right? Uh, or adopted a child, you know, even if it wasn't there. I mean, just brought in a new, a new person in their life. Um, it could be a family where the kids are now in college and they are now empty nesters and outside of the children coming back to do laundry and eat and, a Sunday meal. And that's the biggest adjustment we see. Yeah. <laughs> the parents are like, where did the kids go? How did this time fly by? We haven't even thought about budgeting in years because we didn't have any money. Because literally they ate us out of house and home practically. But now that they're gone, and are they really gone? Maybe we can start to save some money for retirement. Yeah. And then the last one, of course, is, is folks that are retiring. That they just save, 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 save when they have the extra money or set aside a certain percentage, maybe you know, 10% in their 401k and 10% in their Roth IRAs or whatnot. And, you know, they're at a point now where they're like, let's start to put some numbers together. And can I, you know, buy that second place, the condo in Florida? Can I do these sorts of things? Can I turn that chunk of money into a monthly paycheck? That's the big Absolutely. One. Because more and more people we see do not have pensions and they want that extra money. So at the base of all those conversations, when they come in and they pay us a a financial planning fee to pull a, a plan together for that stage of life that they're in through feeforplan.com. What we see at the base of all of those conversations is I have this money and I kind of know my relationship with it and I know it's there for a purpose, but I really need somebody else to tell me exactly what to do with it exactly how much of it I should expend on my current self versus what my future self is going to need down the road. And if I have a spouse or a significant other at that time, how do I talk to them about this? Because we've just been in save, save, save mode or provide for the kids mode, or we just got married and we have two households that are merging. And I just, I don't want to mess this up. It's a big conversation. It, that's the toughest one to have. The getting on the same page. That's the toughest part. And people think the numbers is the hardest part. No, the numbers are easy if you know what you're doing. The, mm-hmm. the getting on the same page is hard for everybody. So. That's where we really serve within our business on a day-to-day basis, not on this show, but within our business, we really end up serving as financial counselors to people. That was the part I never expected when I started working here. Why is that? I thought it was going to be all numbers, and it's like 10% numbers. It's Well, behind the scenes, it's more than 10% numbers. But when you're actually working with people, it's not about the numbers at all. Because the numbers are the part we do behind the scenes, and that's easy for, for us because that's what we do. Right. But the actual people side is the difficult part. So, 
It's like a physician working with someone, right? Yeah. Where the physician's like, they're it's, it's they're e- bleeding out, and every- there's not much time for or, them, or they're going to survive and live and and have a good life. And same in our business, the it, numbers tell us exactly what the prognosis is. It doesn't take a genius doctor <laughs> to tell me that I should eat less Chick Fil A and drink less bourbon. It, right. That, that's not hard. Like, no. It's it's pretty simple. Not so, at all. But getting me to do it, that's a challenge. So. So if you're out there and you have you're listening to this and you're like, hey, this spurred some memory of of my childhood and money or a conversation I just had with my kids and it's something you want to share with us, just give us a call at the office at 859-219-1006. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I actually had a follow-up question on that, guys, and I'm just wondering like how best to talk to my significant other or, you know, maybe I'm at the other end of life and I'm like, you know, We've been retired for years, but I'm trying to figure out how do I talk to my kids and my grandchildren about the inheritance I want to leave for them? You know, how do I plan for that? If you're in that in that stage of life, we totally get it. We've been there before with with literally hundreds of families that we work with. And uh, we'd love to talk to you. So you can find us at our website, familyfinancialpartners.com, or through our office line at 859-219-1006. Thanks for joining another episode of In My Day, and we'll see you next week.